Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chapel, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change and to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Now, whereabouts in the world are you today? I live in Colorado Springs, uh, which is about 50 miles south of Denver, Colorado. Right, oh, very right nice. at the face of the Rockies. Beautiful place. Oh, awesome. They would be beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're up oh, at wow. 7,400 feet. And uh, yeah, you come over to visit, you, you're going to be dizzy for a couple of days, but, but it's worth it. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Now, four Olympic Games, that's huge. And congratulations on doing that. That's, that's wonderful. Now... Your background, I've covered off a little bit for our listeners here, but the thing is for you, what I really want to know is what was it like for you as a older Olympic athlete competing against the younger ones in the Vancouver Winter Olympics? <laughs> even, even before that, at the Salt Lake City Olympics, uh, 2002, I was, I was 39 and I felt like a dad that was visiting his kids in college because everybody was in their 20s. And everybody was asking me if I was a coach, what are you coaching? <laughs> no, I'm an athlete. And they wouldn't believe me. And so by Vancouver, I was 47 and uh, they were asking if I was coach's dad. So, <laughs> so but I, I felt happy to be there. I mean, blessed and happy to be there. Yeah, that's good. And you've got a book out there called The Courage to Succeed. Tell us a little bit about that book. I believe that no matter what your goal is, you have to have two types of courage to, to achieve it. You have to have the courage to get started and everything's tough in the beginning because you don't have any skills. So you have to stay in the game long enough. You have to have the courage to endure. And uh, the courage to get started comes from uh, believing it's possible. If you believe something's possible, hey, I'll give it a shot. Courage to uh, not quit, to endure comes from your desire. If you want it badly enough, ain't nothing gonna make you quit. And so I had the uh, desire for a long time but it wasn't until, until I was inspired and got the, uh, the, the belief that, that I was ready to take action. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's really important. I mean, for a lot of us, and if you think about our listeners here as well, that for them to get underway in leadership or do something or even make a decision on a project and initiative and things like that, it's having the courage to get started. Yeah. There's also the courage to uh, endure and keep going and not quit. Because i tell you something else as well here, Ruben, is that you know for a lot of people in the podcast industry, they tend to get up to episode seven or 10 and quit. <laughs> and whereby, you know, actually making sure that A, to get underway and having that courage to start it, but then to keep going yep. is very, very important. And you can apply that to anything in life like you just talked about, right? Yeah. And, and I, I've told my kids a million times, you know, everything's hard in the beginning. Everything's hard in the beginning. Just to, you know, let them know, uh, get them to uh, uh, manage their expectations, right? And be ready. It's going to be tough, but yeah, you're tougher too. What kept you going at the age of 39 and 47 to keep going to those Olympic Games? 
I had a different motivation for each one. Uh, the first one was just to be an Olympian. Uh, the mm -hmm. second one uh, was to win the respect of the Germans. The Germans uh, totally dominate our sport, and uh, they wouldn't give me the time of day. But two years after my first Olympics, it was like a memo went out, and they said, uh, you know, all of a sudden I was, hey, Gonzalez, Speedy Gonzalez, how are you? And uh, I got mad. I said, what's up with you guys? I've been nice to you for years, and now I'm Speedy Gonzalez. And they said, well, it's two, you, two years after your first Olympics. Obviously, you're trying to make Al Albertville. And whether you make it or not doesn't matter to you, to us, right? What matters is you're showing respect to the sport, and uh, now we, you know, we can respect you. So it was about, you know, uh, paying your price, basically. Yeah, it's like earning your stripes or you're being there and you're paying the, paying the way and paving the way to keep going. But I think they were probably sort of acknowledging your consistency and your ability to stay in the game, which is really important. Oh, and that felt like a million bucks to get the thumbs up from the, from the Germans. And so um, then I quit for about six years and my coach talked me into uh, starting to train for Salt Lake. He said, the U.S. Olympic spirit's the best. You don't want to miss this one. And he convinced me. And I quit again, started my speaking business, started writing books. And after about six years, business was good. And I got bored again. I get bored easy. And so I started training again. And the mot motivation for that one was no one had ever done four Winter Olympics in four different decades. And I thought, hey, that, uh, that's, that's pretty cool. So yeah, I became the first cool. to do that. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well done. Thanks. Very cool. Is there a fifth one? That was, uh, that was the fourth one. Yeah. Are you, you going to go for the fifth one? Well, never say never. Never say never. Let's see. Oh, uh, oh, next oh, one's oh. Cortina. If I make one more, that'd be five decades. And coaches are saying, I mean, you got, you know, you're sliding better now than you ever have. So, so that would be five decades and I would be the oldest winter Olympian in any sport. So we'll see. We'll see. The desire has to be there because it's a hard, you know, it, it takes a lot of commitment. And uh, if I can keep my desire up, you know, who knows? You see, a, if you see at the, at the Cortina Milan Olympics, uh, if you see a guy walking in with a walker, you know, hey, I had him on my podcast. <laughs> and you heard it, heard it here first about he was going to do his fifth one. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, that's very good. Now, we, we talk about leadership here, of course, and that, that. How did you get into leadership? I know you've done a TEDx on leadership and things like that. How did you get into it? I, uh, I lived in Houston, Texas most of my life. I was born in Argentina. I've got a lot of heart, but no body. Slowpoke. So I was always the last kid picked for uh, sports. When I was 10, I saw the Olympics for the first time, and I was hooked. I, I knew that's what I wanted to be. What drew me to, to them wasn't their athleticism. It was their spirit. Because right away, I realized there's a group of people that are willing to you know, fight for their goals and dreams for years, no guarantees of su success, and finally make it. So I just wanted to be like them. But I didn't believe it was possible because I'm not getting picked for anything. I played soccer, football for a long time. And um, when I was 21, I'm watching the Sarajevo games on TV. I see a little tiny skater, uh, Scott Hamilton, about five foot one. And he wins the gold medal and, and everything changed. I said to myself, if that little guy can win, I can at least play. I'm going to be in the next one no matter what. It's a done deal. I just got to find a sport. <laughs> and so uh, I looked at the list. Took me five minutes after looking at the summer sports to realize, man, you got to be Superman to do any of these things. There's no way. And then I started looking at the winter sports and tenacity was my strength. My nickname in high school was Bulldog because I never quit. And so I thought I need to find a sport with a lot of broken bones, maybe a lot of quitters. And that's how I'll make it to the top. And so I picked a luge. I went to Lake Placid, New York, and uh, four years and a few broken bones later, you know, I'm in the Calgary Olympics. <laughs> and so 
And just like starting a podcast, I mean, or starting anything, the first two years were brutal. I mean, I broke my foot twice, my knee, my elbow, my hand, my thumb, a couple of ribs, but I kept coming back. But then after about two years, you pretty much know how to drive that darn sled. And now it's fine tuning and uh, the worst days are, are behind you. And now it's, you know, the mental challenge of driving the best lines and, you know, anything you can do to get that best time. Yeah, brilliant. And I think there's some massive lessons there for our listeners to think about, understand, and, and so forth. So I am, if people know where New York City is, I'm actually in a little town called Franco Lakes in beautiful Bergen County. We have lots of, uh, of great trees and landscapes and water and nature. And I just love where I am. But we're about 45 minutes outside of Manhattan to give people a perspective of where we are. Yeah, well, if it's very much like nature in that, then it's going to be very much like where I am in New Zealand as well. I mean, that's just, uh, it's just great. And nature is a great thing for us to be around, especially in the times of what we had in the last two years and lockdowns and things like that. You, you just can't beat being around nature. No, nature is so amazing. And when you just choose to live in the moment, I can't tell you how many things just sort of open up. I mean, if I tell people that, they think I'm crazy until you actually experience it. Yep, very good. Now, John, you have a talk show. Uh, what's that about? So I have a couple talk shows. Uh, I have a national talk show called the Jaymore Tech Talk Show. Uh, we just cleared about 3,000 on iHeart. Uh, we're on a goal to try to hit 10,000. So we're a national talk show. I interview uh, local um, guests from businesses, from government, um, national guests, celebrities. I had a gentleman on my show that was the first man to ever talk on a cell phone and invent it. And in fact, this gentleman uh, had a slight argument with uh, a friend of his because he claimed it was something he did. But I think he was just a little jealous, his friend, that he made the first call on a cell phone because they were both kind of engineers. And there's always that little rivalry about, you know, what's going on. But um, uh, Mr. Martin Cooper, uh, amazing gentleman. I've had the privilege of interviewing lots of other great people. So the show is all about what's going on in technology. I give the truth about what's happening, things with the Ukraine, technology, things about understanding, you know, the fact if you're not protected, it's not an issue of if you're going to get attacked, but when, if you don't have the right uh, protections inside, firewalls, etc. And so I give people awareness so that they can hopefully adapt their lives not fall into those pit holes or traps uh, that some people do because of these clever um, hack artists online. Uh, my job is to expose them and let people know that, hey, it's okay if you don't understand this stuff. I'm just here to make sure you do understand it so you just don't give up your bank account. Like I've seen so many clients do and I've had to work with them. And it's funny, then uh, if some people literally tell me, oh, it's never going to happen to me. And then their husband or spouse dies, and they call me. They have an emergency. What happened? Oh, John, you don't know what happened. The bad guys were at it again. What bad guys? Well, they called me in the middle of the night. They said I needed to uh, do something. I got on the computer. Then they told me they wanted to give me the money back, but I didn't have a bank account online through Access, so they told me to set up an online banking system. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and they made it so easy for them to just steal their money. I had one client that said, oh, the bad guys are back. What do you mean? They're back again. You know, we're, we're, we're using whistles. We're blowing things at them. I said, no, don't get aggravated at them. 
let's handle this diplomatically. Um, let's get the information. Let's file a police report. Let's get things logged in with the National Crime Prevention. And let's see if we can get your money back. And so that's kind of what we have to do. You have to kind of put your emotions aside, Dennis. And you have to look at the problem, um, if you will, um, in a very natural but a very unbiased way that's about facts. Because when things like that happen, the situation gets very emotional and people tend to get a little bit out of their element and they get aggravated. So I'm like, I understand that you're having a challenge. I get it. And I want to do everything I can to help you. And if you would just help me with some of these questions, I promise you I'm going to do the very best for you. It's just that when I have yelling and screaming, I'm going to miss details. And I don't want to miss things on this report. Okay. Wow. That's, so that's one talk show. What's the yes, other one? one the couple. other talk show is IFYL. It just launched uh, this past December, unofficially. And it had been on for a while, but it was not really as formal as me getting on and talking about my day. And I said, you know, I need to make the show about a series, more formal, like the other show. So we put together a professional a trailer. I'm also a video producer. And at around Christmas time, I bought myself 25 gifts. Now, nothing great. They were just gag gifts. Bought them at the dollar store. One of them was a trash can. I wrapped it up. And on one day, I actually opened up the gift. I'm like, why is my higher self giving me a trash can? They're trying to say I'm trash. No, 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 that's not it. It's I get it. It's trying to tell me that I need to get rid of some people and some things in my life. This is where I need to start. So it was a little trash can and you could throw things in it. Another day, I uh, unwrapped uh, a lint roller. I said, hmm, why is my higher self giving me a lint roller? Is it trying to tell me I'm full of lint? Am I dirty? I don't think that's it. No, it wants me to understand that I need to stick to things. And when I do, I'll accomplish my goals and maybe even greater ones. Wow. So that led me to the whole thing that I'm onto something here. So I'm starting to write a book, 25 Gifts of Inspiration to Change Your Life and Everyone Else in It. But as I'm doing that, I realize that the show needs to have more of a structure. So IFYL, Inspirations for Your Life, um, is a show that sometimes I have guests on, sometimes not. But it's a short show. It's usually late afternoons. It's evenings. It's not been a set time. It's just kind of whatever I have the time. And I go on there. For example, uh, this week, we're talking about patience. And so what is it? What does it mean? What doesn't it mean? I sometimes rely on Merriam-Webster, and I thank them for their great definitions. And I try to explain things to people. And so every week, I try to give people an insight. Now, this came, uh, Dennis, to be honest with you, because I also have, they're not shows, but they're YouTube channels. So I have a science channel where it's uh, John the Science Guy, and I do science experiments every single week, and I help people understand the science experiment I'm like, why is John playing around with a science in a lab? Why is he doing that? Well, he's doing that because he wants you to understand something, have fun, and then he wants you to understand the lesson about how you can apply it in your life. For example, we had um, an experiment we did with the grape juice, and we did a, had a piece of blank paper, and uh, we used a, a writing instrument with lemon, and we actually wrote down in invisible ink. And I said, you know, it's important to tell the truth. I know sometimes you might think it's overrated, but it's not. And here's what I want to tell you. You see, and I was, I was taking my uh, grape juice and I was literally decoding the message. I said, someday you're going to be invited to that big party. And so will Mr. and Mrs. Grape Juice. And they will expose you for the true liar that you really are. So why don't you make the choice today to tell the truth, even if it's not easy to do? Hmm. 
There's a lot of things in there and relatable to leadership there, right? About patience, yes. about being truthful, about sticking uh, to things and getting on with things and that. Yeah, it's really cool. Now, John, what did you or how did you ever get into leadership? Excellent question. So when I was, let's say I was in high school, mm-hmm. uh, freshman or sophomore year, I had remembered the days when I was in grammar school and I didn't make it as president or I didn't get one of those positions because back then they were about popularity. They weren't about the right person for the job. So when I got to high school, I said, look, I said, maybe I'm not the most popular here, but you're not voting for popularity. You're voting for someone that's going to take the money that your parents spend and also to make sure your voices get heard to leadership. You want more time on the playground? You want juice in your cafeteria. You want to have uh, shorter detentions. You want a different way to prove you're adults. That's why you want to vote for John Morley as class representative. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.